Welcome back Rebels to another episode of Isolation, a mini-series from Creative Rebels where we talk to the creatives behind the cameras. In this episode I talk to Lara Jade, a British fashion and beauty photographer living in New York. I followed Lara's career for many years now. I actually used one of her photos as reference for Art GCSE, so a really long time. In this episode we talk about the business side of creativity and the power of never giving up. Welcome, Lara. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks for coming on. I've been really, really looking forward to this. So most people know you as Lara Jade, but I know you as Lara Fairy. <laughs> you do. You didn't tell me that. And yes, <laughs> Lara Fairy was my username on DeviantArt back when I started at 14. And I, I want some good story around it, but really it's because I was researching fairy illustrations during my GCSEs uh, okay. and I happened to just need a username and that just came up. It's funny because when I first heard about you was back in the DeviantArt days, I feel like I'd love to find them because I've got them somewhere, but I have so many of your photographs that I drew for my GCSE art projects. Really? Yeah, which is wow. really weird because like years and years later, because I've always been an artist kind of in the art world, and then when I started doing photography, I was kind of like on Instagram and I saw, I think maybe you put a self-portrait up or something, but I was like, she looks so familiar. Why do I know her? And <laughs> it was because I'd drawn the self-portraits that you used to do years ago. What was it back then that first drew you into photography? Because that was a long time ago. It's a very long time ago. What, 16 years ago? Well, I always kind of, you know, tried different artworks. I was very, I was in an artistic family with a mother who's a makeup artist back in the day. And my dad was always tinkering with like making models and just very creative. And, you know, I'd go to my grandparents. We were always encouraged to draw and to paint, but I was never good at anything. And, you know, during my art GCSEs, coming across illustration, everything, I actually discovered deviant art and photo manipulation. So, you know, back then I downloaded my copy of Photoshop and I was so didn't shy that <laughs> yeah. didn't we all just go ahead and download it? But I just started using myself because I was quite shy and, you know, I just using like available light and what I had to learn. And back then was the, the first camera I had was my dad's camcorder. You know, it's like a big bulky thing with like a turnaround screen. And every time he'd go to work, I'd sneak it out of the cupboard, you know, take some photos and then put them into Photoshop. And like, you know, there was like angel wing brushes, yeah. leading mascara and all that good stuff. So I'd always use it as a way to get away from reality to this fantasy level. And even though it was heavily Photoshopped, like I learned a lot, like, I would enjoy that creation process so much. Like it was like my little escape from reality and school and everything that was going on. Yeah, because like I've read that you were quite shy as a young person and even standing up in school to do like a presentation to people wasn't something you were comfortable with. But looking at what you're doing now, that you're doing a lot of like kind of talks, you've got full educational workshops. Where did that confidence come from? I think I just forced myself through it. The more confident I became in my photography, the more confident I became in myself as a person because it forces you to collaborate with people. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you probably experienced the same. Like you start creating on your own and then eventually in any industry, you're going to collaborate with some level of people. And especially on fashion sets, you know, there can be anything from five to 15 to 20 people. And even though I'm not this loud voice, I just learned to 
you know, be in charge of the set and start working with people. And I just had to do it like it was expected. And I think the first, when I, when I go back, I think the first time that I felt really confident um, well, not confident, but learned a lot from my my speaking engagements was my first talk for Canon. Mm-hmm. And it was in London and at one of the conferences there. And I remember getting up on the stage and just being terrified. Like, I think I hid in the toilet for, until like the very last minute and had a friend of mine with a timer next to me. And, you know, I was behind the podium and just hiding behind my sheets. And I had everything written down because I didn't know I'd, I'd stumble across my words. And I think from that point, you know, you have those five seconds of being up there, being so afraid. And then all of a sudden, because you know what you're talking about and you love sharing your work and you love what you do, it's like you don't feel that anymore. So I think a few of those early experiences talking for Canon and having those opportunities, thank God they put their trust in me (laughs) back then because I probably wouldn't be where I am today without those early experiences. But yeah, that definitely gave me the confidence. And when people come up after being like, you know, you really inspired me, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, it worked, (laughs) you know, I, I did a good job. And what can someone do if they feel like they haven't got that confidence? So what would you advise people do to try and get a bit more? I would say, you know, everybody is vulnerable. Like no matter if they look confident, everybody feels some level of, you know, I think vulnerability, especially when they're kind of putting their heart out there with their artwork, like artwork is very personal. I feel like, you know, just take it step by step, even if it's not a big speaking engagement, but whether you're, you know, starting to work with teams and you're a photographer, like, you know, the more people you start to work with and collaborate with and talk to, the easier it becomes. I feel like that's a, a big thing. And and having mentors, like having friends in the industry, I think really helps because if I'm having an off day and this has been since day one I've always had people I've been able to speak to who are like my friendly community who if I have a bad day I'm like I call up a friend and I talk them through the problem or sometimes just grabbing a coffee and being like this is why we're doing what we're doing like let's talk about the industry and talk about photo shoot ideas and all of a sudden that like unconfident side goes away I'm definitely someone who you know I was a dancer for many years when I was younger from the ages of seven to twelve and me and my sister were national championships in like freestyle and rock and roll and I was always more confident with her when we danced together we always won when we danced together but I didn't have that confidence on my own I think that's kind of a very good visual way of like putting it that Whenever it comes to something, I always kind of put my trust in someone else, whether it's like working with my assistants, I like bouncing ideas off them. I'm better when I work in a team than on my own because I'm naturally a collaborator. And I think, you know, if you're more of a personality like me that is a little bit shy or, you know, especially back in the day when I started, I think it's about having that network of people that can encourage you. Yeah, because I think like whenever we've started our businesses, there's always been like multiple people in it together so I've never started something on my own it's always been with other people and I feel like it is always nice to have that someone to lean back on if there is a problem because there's always the ups and downs in anything that you do and you're going to hit lows especially like if there's not money coming in or things just aren't going the way you expected it to so to have those other people around I think is really nice to be able to lift you up when you feel it a bit down because it is inevitable and I think as anyone who's going into sync solo i think growing that team around you is a really really important thing to do just for your kind of well-being just to just to be a bit happier like how did you start to grow a team around you i would say it's when i 
when I started to do, because I went from doing self-portraits to fine art photography where I got a bit braver and I started working with people that would reach out to me on MySpace and social media. Were, were you in the MySpace era? I was definitely in MySpace. You were definitely in the MySpace long hair era. And every, yeah, all that I can stuff. see it. I can see it. But um, I started to get people reach out to me on there who would want to collaborate and I slowly built them. So it was like, you know, the hair and makeup person first. And then I'd be like, wow, I like this collaboration. It's nice to have someone to converse with. And then, you know, the more I got into it, the more I realized that I liked fashion photography because it was a collaboration. And I started to become more interested in trends. So I made that natural transition because I liked the way of working as, as a fashion photographer. And it was just slowly building people around me that I trusted. So I'd meet people for coffee. You know, we'd first talk online, we'd connect, and then it was meeting for coffee. And then, you know, a lot of the people that I work with initially, like I'm still friends with and I become yeah. friends with a lot of the people that I do work with because we have this close connection and, you know, there's like more of their personal connection rather than just a work collaboration because you are putting so much trust in them for the job. Yeah. yeah, I feel like having the friends side of it is really, really, really important because if it is just someone who can do a really good job, like they might, they might be the best makeup artist, but if you don't get on with them on a personal level, you're going to be with those people for a really, really long amount of time. Oh, so exactly. you definitely need to bring people around you who have that kind of just likability, the people who you want to arrive because you're going to have a good conversation, have a good catch up. In terms of within the team, so do you find your, because you're saying you love, love the collaboration side of it, would you say you prefer the collaboration sides with you and a model or you and the other creatives? I think it's all of it. I would say, you know, I think everyone has their place on a set especially in fashion photography and without a good model you're not going to get a good shot without the good, good makeup artist you know you're not going to something's going to fall short I feel like the collaboration aspect I think if everybody is doing has the right skill and is using that you know I always say put the expert in their place and you know we, we have the experts in every corner of a successful fashion shoot I do feel like it's about their personality, I mean, we don't always get to choose the people we work with, but it's their personality and their skill level. And I feel like the right people just bring the right energy into a shoot. And I, I think, you know, a lot of models would agree with me that, you know, energy is everything. And I'm sure you probably would agree too. Like, if there's a bad energy on a set, typically it's going to be, you know, it's going to pull the whole shoot yeah. down. If there's good energy, everyone's going to feel uplifted and happy and want to give that something more. So I think what's really interesting about you is the fact that you're not just an artist, you're a businesswoman. Or I would even say you're probably more of a businesswoman than an artist. Is that how you describe yourself? I would say so. It's funny because I always saw myself first an artist. When I first got into the industry, I never did it for money. Mm -hmm. Like I got into it and actually, you know, I would always joke that people are probably earning more money from my photography than I am because I get a lot of people stealing my artwork from TV and art. Yeah. And it would be like an ongoing joke with my, my parents. I feel like I only started being a businesswoman. I think it was just age. And, you know, age has a big thing to do with it. I think I reached the age of like 25. And, well, 17 is when I set up my business. So I'd been shooting since I was 14. It was actually my dad who has his own business that was like, you know, you should see this as a business now. You're getting these small commissions. And I would say it was when I was like 25 that I was like, you know, I've been living in New York. I have my career still in London. This is a business. You know, I love what I do, but this should be more of a business. 
and I've been doing workshops for a few years in the education side of things. And I started to think, you know, I started to look at how other people had been successful, not just in photography, but in the art world. And one big thing is having multiple revenue streams and not relying on one source. And I think for many, many years, I'd always been, I, you know, and it's a very old fashioned way of thinking about it in the photography industry, but it's, you're a fashion photographer, you specialize, you specialize yeah. in one thing and you, you're known for it. And that's a very old fashioned way. Like I'd say 10 years 20 years ago that was very much the thing like you become known for that one thing and you know that with the rise of social media and all these you know opportunities coming from that and people reaching out I was like you know what I can I can you know I'm an influencer I'm a content creator I'm an educator and I'm a photographer I'm, I'm a photographer first and foremost it's my passion but those things just naturally come a part of that so that's when I was like I put my mind together and I started to think about the way I approach photography so I don't just shoot fashion I shoot beauty I shoot bridal I shoot jewelry that to me is opening up so much more opportunity by it's not just like oh you know there's a Lara Jade shot and it's this I hope that my style can be seen over all of those areas. And once I started marketing myself and open up that marketing spectrum to all of those themes, I started to see my opportunities double, triple. And, you know, it's, it's also great when you're with an agency because they're also looking out for you with all those different things. And then I think, you know, just from having a following, I started to get those that interest being an influencer, a content creator. So I started to use myself more. And then, of course, with the people following me for so long, people just kept asking me about education. So I was like, okay, like, let's do this as well. So, you know, I wear many hats. Sometimes I wear too many and I don't know which order <laughs> to wear them in, especially at the start of the week. But I enjoy that, you know, my week is varied and broken up. It could be a busy shoot week. It could be a busy marketing week. It could be that I'm doing something as an influencer or a content creator it could be that I'm spending a few days with education and I you know every time I go away from something and come back to it I have that new level of appreciation so for someone who's kind of getting started as a creative in no matter what industry it is in the creative field would you recommend that people start with a diverse set of skills or do you reckon they should focus on something for a while and then splinter off I think focus on something for a while because naturally by doing that, you'll start to get interest and opportunity. Always be aware that there is going to be options to do multiple revenue streams. So I think first you have to develop your eye, develop your skill and understand personally what you're drawn to. And I think you can only do that when you start to kind of follow one path at first. And then as you know, the more you work, the more you collaborate, these opportunities will show themselves, whether it's you find you really enjoy speaking about photography and you're like, oh, I've found this new skill and maybe I should do, you know, do something with it. So a lot of people always say like, you know, why is there so many educators? Why is I honestly think if anyone has a skill, they should be using it, especially in today's industry. You know, we're not just photographers. You know, the, the beauty is we're like photography slash this slash speakers. Yeah. And that's what makes us special. You know, there's when it comes to advertising agencies and clients looking for someone, we don't just want to look for a photographer. We want to, you know, I always think of it as a benefit. Like if a client come to my agent or come to me directly, and if I could use those things to get myself the opportunity of the job over other people, I say, well, I have this many followers. I'm also a content creator and can speak about this on social after the shoot. That, you know, puts me higher up in their consideration yeah. list when it comes to having the job. So that's how I see it as well. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, how it's like no matter what job, no matter what industry it is, whether it's creative or not, say if you're going for an, 
accountancy role somewhere, but you can also edit videos and photos, you're suddenly slightly more valuable to that company than someone who doesn't have those skills. So I feel like it's so important to develop and learn things all the time because you don't know how they could be used and you don't know what opportunities they could lead to. Uh, One thing you touched upon there is the fact that um, the first thing you point to is training your eye and learning an eye. A lot of people who would count themselves as not creative would say, I don't have the eye. Do you think anyone has the potential to find an eye? I do think so. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, you were born with a creative eye. I don't think, I think it's developed and I think it's very much developed by um, and shaped by what you personally enjoy. So when anyone talks about getting that eye or learning, learning taste, you know, we learn taste over time. We don't just suddenly are born and like, oh, we really like that dress or that trend or whatever, you know, you learn. And I think the best way of doing it is to constantly immerse yourself in visual experiences so whether that's going to exhibitions reading magazines scrolling through pinterest building mood boards i know i'm always one for going on fashion blogs reading magazines and i'm always building mood boards and also i follow people on social media that i'm inspired by and it's just to get that daily inspiration and you know through all of that and just growing up as a photographer i have preferences myself of what i like to shoot so when i started it was very much dark and moody and self portraits it's how i was feeling and yeah. and kind of you know my learning experience i was a little hidden shied away and then it came to the colorful and the experimental and the fashion and everything was pastel and girly and feminine it was a bit like candy colored And I would say that's what I was going through. I was excited. I was like, you know, coming to New York. I was, um, you know, finding my feet as an artist. And then I feel like now what I like to do is showcase women in a strong way that they can be feminine, but they're strong, they're powerful. They wear boys suits, but they can still be beautiful and taken seriously. And I think that's because of the way I feel. Like sometimes I'm not taken seriously because I'm a woman and because I look younger than I am but also I have this new appreciation for for like photographing a woman like you know it doesn't matter who she is and you know I I like to bring diversity to my portfolio too which is something that I'm personally drawn to I believe in you know more diversity in the industry so I feel like as I look at my own path I feel like over time my eyes developed by my personal choices and my personal preferences but you know I'm always immersing myself in the um visual experiences and I think you know and it also comes from my friends that I work with like the collaborators the stylists that I work with I liked their work I feel they're a good fit but I also take a bit of their inspiration on a shoot I take hair and makeup inspiration I also ask the model if we're doing a test it's it's very much about what the model gets from it too and I want their input so I think that shapes my eye too. So when you kind of first started a lot of your kind of your art I suppose was really really story driven would you say yes. that's been lost as you've gone through or would you say that there's just a new narrative to what you do now? You're right. I think it's just a new narrative. I think I was always looking for the story because that's how I, I would create. Whereas when you're a fashion photographer and you're shooting more for editorial and for yourself, you are shooting more for trends, but the trends kind of become part of the story. So, you know, I obviously need to shoot trends because that's what the designers are putting out that season. Um, And that's important when clients look at my work. But those trends, like if it's 1920s or it's, you know, white suits, that gives me a story idea. So the narrative is a little different um, and the way I approach it. But It doesn't have to be an obvious story. Like before when I started fashion photography, 
I feel like it was very much, I, I treat it like, okay, like the story has to be like an insight into her day, walking yeah. down the street with these dogs and she would pick up the newspaper and she would sit at this cafe and have a coffee. Now it's not that. For me, it's like simplicity's become a big part of my style. And I think if I can nail emotion and tell a story for a simple picture, I've succeeded because I think that is the hardest thing to do. And I don't know if you agree with me there, but I think the simple images are the hardest because yeah. you're not relying on the crutches of retouching and props and all of color and all of these different things. Yeah, like I feel it's really nice the way you do have a unique, like a style. Like you can go through your feed and it's like everything here is in all the same palette. It's all beautiful. All Everything works Thank together. You. How have you developed that style? Because that is so far away from where you first started what is it that inspired you to lead you down this route and how important is it for you to make sure that everything has that uniformity to it sometimes I get told that I'm stuck in a a mold and I feel like that's something that was said to me the last couple of years so I have pushed myself away from that and I started to think about what the foundation of my style is what makes those images memorable and I looked at the lighting the styling and the posing and I think those three things are really signature Lara Jade and it's like they, they would be really signature Adam if you had those things in your style and I feel like every shoot I approach I approach with that same vision okay lighting I tend to shoot with soft light and if it's a slightly harder light, it still has a softness to it. Mm-hmm. And then I think about the posing. Like I don't overly pose a model. I always focus on the eyes. I focus on strength. You know, they might be a bit boyish in pose. They're never too poised or like feminine. And then I think about the styling and it's very minimal. I love jewels. I love a suit and jewels. I'd shoot that every day if I could. But <laughs> lately I've been deconstructing bridal like if I shoot bridal it's not your obvious bridal it's Mm -hmm. deconstructed you know it might be with a suit on top it's barefoot you know it's it's effortless but it's still chic and I feel like all of those things together so it's the recipe when we think about the recipe and when I'm picking the people to work with they're part of that recipe so I won't work with someone that has a really sexy style and color because that's yeah. not part of my recipe. But I, I try and search for people that, um, you know, and I have a good relationship with several stylists here in New York where we all come together and we all have a very specific vision. Um, but sometimes I'll push out of that and I'll be like, okay, I've shot with suits for the past 10 shoots. What can I shoot with now? And I'll throw something in with a little bit of color, but still I try and pose it the same way. The recipe on the other elements are the same. Do you have an element of your work, like a percentage of time where you just go crazy where you just experiment with things that are just so different to what you would normally do I would say I'm always a little hesitant to go too far from what I know but it would be my one of my goals this year and I've started doing self-portraits in lockdown and one of the self-portraits is actually um, just really harsh window light and it was a good challenge for myself because I remember I I use a mirror in front of me when I do self-portraits and I remember looking at the harsh light and being oh, I like the way it's fallen on my face, but that's going to look really harsh and ugly. But I pushed through and experimented on a few shots and those were the shots that I really liked. So that's inspired me that once we all come out of lockdown, um, I'd love to try something a little bit different. And I have been doing more harsher lighting on some of my recent fashion shoots, like experimenting with strobe and continuous light, experimenting with harsh window light with a pop of strobe and just kind of getting a feel for it. So yeah, I, I definitely would like to push a little more in terms of experimentation. Um, I don't always get 
the chance to do test shoots (laughs) because it's time and time is usually not my friend when working in the fashion industry. But yes, definitely. I think challenges are always important for any level of photographer or artist. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what a test shoot is, because this isn't a predominantly photography Yes, good thing. point. <laughs> what, uh, what is a test shoot? A test shoot is essentially when everybody is coming together, hair, makeup, styling, maybe it's a smaller team, you and the model, you're just collaborating together to create shots. No one's getting paid. Um, you're just all coming together to create an idea that's exciting. Typically tests, I would say when you think of a test, I think of something more minimal. Usually when you're working with a model, a model test is very simple to show kind of the beautiful skin and natural appearance of the model, usually with soft lighting. But tests can go from anything from a simple test to a more experimental test where everybody's there to test ideas, test lighting, test posing, test clothes things like that and what's your opinion on working for free then because we're massive advocates of working for free especially when you're getting started to build a portfolio but I've spoken to a lot of people who've come out of universities who've been in kind of creative courses and they've basically been told don't work for free like you should value your time what's your thoughts on that I think it's important to know that if you want to create a portfolio that is your vision there's going to be have to be some level of working for free So if you are always shooting for a client, the work is always going to look like several different photographers shot it in your portfolio because a client is paying you to produce their idea. So they may like your lighting, but their styling, the model they choose is not going to be what's typically your vision. So a lot of what's on my website is personal work or editorial work where I've had the majority of control over the brief. And when it comes to editorial work, if I'm asked, you know, the the way advertising works in the editorial world, as you know, but a lot of people watching won't know, is the magazines run on advertising money. And as you know, with the editorial industry, the advertising money is slightly going away. So when you look through big magazines like Vogue or Elle or any of those, you'll start to see the advertisements are becoming more because that's what runs the magazine. That's what pays the wages, the building, the rent, all of that, and the print costs. So when it comes to working with smaller level magazines, they're not necessarily going to have those big advertising budgets. So they may come to you and say, we only have $1,000 all in for everything, or they may come to you and say, we don't have a budget, we're a small independently run magazine, and we would love to collaborate with you and we're, we're into your idea if you wanna bring ideas to the table. That's a good opportunity to climb the editorial ladder because you need to start somewhere. You're not just going to go straight into Vogue and and as an artist like yourself, you're not suddenly going to get to this level of client without first showing the steps of completing briefs for other clients. So the the only benefit I would say when it comes to a client working with you, wanting you to work for free, you have to weigh it up. What is the benefit and purpose of the shoot? Is the benefit that you're going to get beautiful content, great clothes, because you can get great clothes for a magazine, beautiful images with higher production value to put in your portfolio that will then in turn be marketing material to get that particular client? Or do you have you know, a higher level standard work already that that client coming to you asking to work for free is not beneficial because, you know, every editorial shoot I do, there's always quite a high investment in terms of, you know, I pay my assistants because they're the ones not getting any work out of it. You know, I have to pay food for everyone. I have to pay retouching a lot of the time. You know, there's always, you know, an element of at least two to three thousand dollars every time I do a personal test shoot or like, sorry, more of an editorial shoot than a test shoot, although I do spend money on the test. So I have to think, what is what is it worth? Am I going to get the front cover of this magazine? Am I going to get 
beautiful jewelry shoot because I need more jewelry shoots in my portfolio because I want to show Cartier and all these other brands. So that's how I start to see it. But when colleges say don't work for free, I feel like a lot of the time they don't know that that's the way the industry works right now. They're thinking of how the industry was like 20 years ago where no one worked for free. Like, you know, the magazines were paying you a six-figure salary a year to, you know, do a certain amount of shoots, but that's not how it is right now. And every time I do a shoot, I always have to think, you know, what is the intention? What, yeah, I have to think three steps ahead. What is the benefit to me and the team? What is the purpose? What am I doing it for? You know, is it going to help me climb the editorial ladder and get higher level clients? Is it going to be great marketing material I can use? You always have to question those things and don't be afraid to say no. And it's another one because it, it feels that, you know, I think a lot of artists have this thing that they feel so grateful when someone asks them to be doing something they love that they're like, yes, I'll do it. And they jump at the first opportunity and they feel so bad saying no that it's like, you know, it kills them. And I've been there. I used to say yes to everything. And the last few years I've been like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really interesting what you were saying there about thinking three steps ahead on everything, because I think a lot of people will think, oh shit, I need to do a shoot soon just for content for instagram they won't be thinking three steps ahead they'll be thinking literally right now i need to post something what's your thoughts on instagram as a creative like because i know a lot of young people starting now who haven't maybe had they've not experienced life without instagram in terms of like the business world just think that if i make an instagram page that's the be and end all So when it comes to Instagram and posting on there, I think the main thing you have to think about is, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Are you a makeup artist that's trying to produce tutorials on makeup and and eventually get sponsors by makeup brands? Are you wanting to be an influencer who wears clothes and has this like travel lifestyle and find clients within that clothing brands and travel brands and things like that that would potentially buy into that? Or are you a photographer that, you know, shoots beautiful beauty work and that's a way to market towards that I think you always have to think about when you're creating you're not just creating for social I never create just for social Um, to give you an idea like 95% of my work comes from me actively going out there and putting the right work in front of the right eyes you know it's a time waster if you're just sending your work out to everyone it always has to be very specific so you know I think that's what it comes back to what are what are you creating for what is your intention when you post online and a lot of people post their photography in my online groups or send me their work we do portfolio reviews. And a lot of the time, you know, I'll, I'll reply back and say, what was the intention of this? You know, you've just sent this picture in and just said that you've just shot it, but why? What was your intention? What was, you know, the idea? What was the theme? I feel like photographers should start applying that every time you go to plan a shoot or even when you're on a shoot. I stand back a minute and I, you know, set my intention and think, okay, today I'm shooting for this client or I'm shooting for this editorial. And obviously you get more freedom when you're shooting for yourself to do this. But I'm thinking, you know, how is this going to get me to my goals and where I need to be? Yeah. So, you know, when you're shooting just for Instagram and if you're, you know, just starting, you don't know who your potential audience is yet. So that's why I always think you should step back and think of your intention before any creation process. One thing that you said that I absolutely love is the fact that you would rather have a no than an unanswered email. That's so true. I feel like, you know, when I'm, I always laugh with my friends that like, you know, when we're, we're fishing for clients and, you know, when you get like, you know, a hook and you get a catch, it's like, it's great. 
but a lot of the time you're just fishing for a while you never get a response and it's yeah. like there's a level of frustration because you're putting your time and energy into there and I'd rather someone come back and say hey like you're not a good fit or just give me a reason as to why because I can take that and then figure out whether it's just because I'm not a right fit aesthetically or maybe you're not looking to expand your team or you know so I can have a plan um, I think you know any feedback is better than no feedback. Yeah. I'm sure you'd agree on that when, you know, you're going after clients too and you're just sitting and waiting and twiddling your fingers. But I'd say a big bit of advice for photographers or artists out there is to not be afraid of following up. I don't know if you've done the same thing, but a lot of the time when I'm reaching out to clients, I won't get a response until I do the follow-up. Now that yeah. could be a few days and, and we go through the same thing. If we have a busy week, we're not going to pick up and reply to an email while we're on set with someone. So always putting yourself in the client's shoes. If I follow up a week after that initial email, that's when 80% of the time an email will come back and it will be like, hey, actually really sorry, had a busy week. Do you want to meet for a coffee? Do you know, I want to discuss working with us. I like your work. I'm going to save it. It's a good fit things like that so don't be afraid to follow up as long as you're not pestering the client I think that's the main thing yeah because I've had things where because we generally have if we were kind of cold calling like reaching out to people I generally have like say five or six emails in almost like a thread of a chain of I'll send the first one if I don't get the next one then the next email will go and it'll be like a set of templates that I have that I'll go through and obviously tweak every time to the person but there will be a set of things that are basically the tone will change slightly every time to be like and basically the last one is just like a okay this is the last one you're going to get from me I'm sorry if I've bothered you I just want to know like yes or no like a no is completely fine but I just need that yeah I totally agree and it's when you are reaching out like that I think clients kind of understand whereas if it's someone like I get a lot of these emails where people want to retouch my work and it's like hi I want to retouch your work and then it's there's no substance to it and then obviously if I'm busy I don't reply because it's not a priority and then I'll get hi why are you not replying to me and it's very aggressive yeah. or like people just don't consider that there's a human at the end of the line and it's like how would you like to be spoken to like you know I could probably write a book on the the million ways of not to reach out to <laughs> based on some of the emails I've had and honestly sometimes it's just very simple and understanding who the person is that you're reaching out to have a level of understanding researching the client ahead of time you know there's no point sending your work if you're you know a crazy artistic photographer to a magazine that's very minimalist it just yeah. is not a good fit and I always say that you know when you are doing reach outs it's why it's important to build like a contact database ahead of time so you have this physical contact database of all potential clients and then I, I always like to have like on my email list like a hit list of people that did respond yeah. with something positive and that's when I do an email campaign again my hit list is my, my priority and um, I just know who's potentially interested. How do you find new clients? Because as someone who's been in the industry for a certain amount of time now, have you not kind of hit all the clients that you would have wanted to a few years ago? I feel like there's so many different clients coming up all the time. Bigger clients are coming up with different ways of working now and are more open for bigger talent. So there's actually more opportunity now than there was five, 10 years ago because people are looking for social digital content there's more need for content I also find that a lot of new brands are popping up that are looking for someone to kind of in a way like the photographer help them creative direct and you know help them with their brand because they've seen you work with these larger brands and yeah. they want your you know your eye so I feel like yeah there's 
a lot more opportunity now. And I'd say like, it's like a never ending research list. I always think that I've, you know, found all of the potential clients, but you know, there's production companies, there's advertising agencies, those people are getting different contracts with different clients all the time. And they're always looking for something different. So, you know, those are people to go, you know, reach out to because you never know when you might be needed with your services. With someone reaching out to you who wants creative direction on a brief as well, would you charge extra for that? That's a good point. Yes, definitely. I think this is your time. I would say that when I charge for things like that, I think about my day rate, but all the extra time I'm putting into things. Like if someone wants help with casting, if someone wants my eye on the brief and to kind of give input or to create a brief, even obviously I'm going to charge my time to do so. Um, And just being with so many different photo agents over the years, I've learned a lot from the way that they work commercially. And I think that's where I've got that business sense from knowing how to charge Because I think that's one big thing in this industry is people get really confused about charging commercially and what to charge. And and especially with digital and social, like usage is a little different now as well. So it's understanding what to charge for, what you can charge for. But, you know, it's your time at the end of the day. And if you're being commissioned to do something and that takes up time, you know, you should be compensated fairly for that. Yeah, I think just that little switch of mindset, realizing that you're not just doing one job here is a really important thing because it's like, you could go to a big like in design especially you could go to an agency to get that done and the agency is going to have a design director an illustrator all of these different people and if you're a freelancer who's doing all of those jobs you should be charging for all of those things not just one day because it's like there's different elements that you could get a team in to come and help you and if you want to grow as well i think it's important to be able to add those charges in now because if you charge x rate and then you want to try and employ someone you can't then charge extra to get that because you've already charged for it in the first place so i think it's forward thinking with how you want your company to grow and going forward in the future yeah and knowing when to outsource as well like i think that's a big thing is people again going back to people feeling like they can't charge oh I'm an artist you know I'm doing something I love like should I be really paid that much I think people sometimes get put off charging for really what they're worth and it comes down to that level of confidence in their ability and a lot of us artists are quite like you know shy especially starting out and are a bit unsure about you know how to charge yeah you should you know it's coming down to things like equipment as well like you know if you're working commercially and you're bringing your own equipment to set you should be charging the rental rate for bringing those pieces of equipment to set because there's just depreciation on those things and I think people forget all the ways in which you can you know putting budgets together in estimates there's all these areas the casting fees retouching so with retouching I don't do that anymore simply because of time and quick deadlines so I outsource that I've outsourced that for the past seven eight years now yeah So there's obviously a charge for that and having an understanding of what all of those people charge. You know, if you're unfamiliar with that and you're just starting with your first commercial job, it's like, oh, what do these people charge? But, you know, reaching out to them and getting a good idea of what they might charge and just ask them. Yeah, like people aren't going to be offended because, you know, you could potentially be taking work to them in the future by asking advice. So looking at everything that you do it's so many different things like how does one person do all of this I think I just love what I do so I don't sometimes see it as work like you know I'm not someone who sits back and you know I'm always itching to be doing something work-wise in the house like you know I, I live and breathe for my work and I 
I feel like I just kind of make sure that with every day I, you know, I get, if I get up late, I'm working till late in the evening. If I get up earlier, I kind of switch off around five or six and just having a to-do list every day. So I don't know if you do this too, but just having every day with an intention. So crossing off a few things every day. If I don't get it done, moving it over. Obviously, sometimes when shoots come in last minute, things have to be moved. But I try and tackle a few different things. Like if one day I'm tackling like social media and posts and scheduling posts, the next day might be building products or, you know, planning workshops. And then I might have a day dedicated to marketing. So usually my marketing days is marketing Monday yeah. where I may set up some emails, um, not always send emails because Monday is not the best day to send marketing emails, but I'm doing my research, my marketing research. And then maybe on a Wednesday, I send those emails. So I think it really is just having um, good time management, which I, I will say I've been Growing up, especially as a young photographer, I never had the best time management. That's something I've become better at as I've um, become older. Yeah, just having good time management and knowing which hat to wear first in the right order if you are wearing many hats. Like it's a balancing act of, okay, this is my priority on my list and these are the things that can wait till the end of the week. If you kind of like could talk back to your younger self, what would be your main piece of advice or even your piece of advice to any young creatives who are starting a creative career now? I think number one is to have patience because things take time to build, especially building your eye. Just take time to build that. Take time to experiment. Um, experiment as much as possible. It doesn't have to be with the best, most expensive equipment out there. It can be, you know, I started with a Canon 350D Rebel and a reflector and, a, you know, when I had a 50mm lens, I worked with that for the years until it broke and I still never got it fixed. It's about creating with what you have and just really developing your eye. If you're wanting to get into fashion, obviously, it's about building your team. If it's not about getting into fashion, I do think it comes back to having that intention. If you can find that intention early on, what do you like to do? What you like doing? You know, if you're becoming a brand, what is your intention with that brand? And as soon as you can hone in on what that is, kind of follow that path and keep experimenting. Don't be afraid to, you know, make mistakes because I feel like the mistakes that I've made, especially my early jobs in my career, I've learned so much from whether it was just making a mistake because I didn't fully understand the brief and I was too scared to ask more. And a, a big thing is also having confidence in yourself, which is it's hard for a lot of people when they're younger to have confidence in their ability. But I think have confidence in yourself and just keep following that path of what you want to do. And if you can build that community of people around you early on, and people that encourage you and also believe in you, I think that helps immensely, like help you get to that next step and, you know, make those, you know, I would never cold call early on in my career. And now I don't care who I reach out to. You know, I've got that confidence to reach out to everyone. But sometimes it's just a friend coming to you and being like, you know, email them. It's fine. You know, you'll learn something from it. Or don't be afraid. Just get up there and do that talk and, you know, just push yourself. And I feel like those those voices in my head from friends and family have been a huge help. Brilliant. Thanks so much for this. Where can people find you online? They can find me um, on my website at larajade.com and on Instagram, my handle is larajadephotography. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Brilliant, me too. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it. You can always reach out to us on Instagram at rebelscreate or head over to creativerebels.co. 
And remember, always be creating. See ya.